0: All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to today's special clinic on the e-commerce holiday playbook, 13 Ways to Maximize Revenue and Beat the Downturn. It is, of course, an app title for this particular Christmas season. We've worked very hard to put together something for you that will make a significant difference as you do all that you can in order to maximize your revenue opportunities. We're going to be covering a kind of two-step e-commerce holiday playbook, and in the end, we'll extract 13 T's, actionables that you can take and apply. I'll be speaking extemporaneously as I work through the content with you. Then we're going to do some review and Q&A, and most importantly, uh, the audience has submitted landing pages, product category pages, product pages themselves, uh, home pages, and we're going to be doing live optimization at various points throughout the presentation. The goal here is for us to do everything possible to help you be prepared for the, the last-minute Christmas rush that we're going to have, so that in this difficult, challenging time, you can get as most, the, the most value possible out of the process. Uh, with that in mind, I'm just watching. Please let us know if our slides are displaying properly. Uh, I'd like to go forward now with uh, some stats that will help you. This year's holiday sales predictions range from mildly hopeful to a kind of downward spiral. I don't really want to be negative on the outset. We need to be realistic, but as you can see in the slide that's come up now, uh, Forrester is suggesting that sales will rise by 12% over last year. That is the slowest growth rate to date. Others are predicting similar consequences when DirectMag.com pulled marketers for predictions for their company holiday sales of the respondents expect that uh, that uh, volume will be down from zero seven or even uh, I'm too scared to think about it. Here's the key. In the midst of all of these predictions and concerns, there is a real way for you to make a significant difference. Part of it is getting involved right now in this conference because we're gonna move from theory to real life examples and we're gonna talk about some of the things that we've seen in our research that can produce a lift rather suddenly and I think that could be important for all of us. At this particular time, uh, it's especially important. Uh, I want to show you a chart from Marketing Sherpa, our sister company. And it kind of lets you know how B2C marketers have been seeing lower sales and high customer acquisition costs uh, for some months. The downturn isn't really new. It's only intensifying. The chart is fascinating. You can probably see it at the Marketing Sherpa website. But it discusses the lower number of total customers per month, and uh, it looks across B2C and B2B, and you can see the, the comparison. The B2C uh, is the blue graph line, and uh, that number is at 53%. And lower number of new customers per month, that number is at 52%. Increased customer acquisition cost, that number is at 51%. The lengthening sales cycle, that number is at 47%. Decreased in-person event attendance, 41%. Lower average purchase per customer, 38%. And decreased virtual event attendance, 36%. Now, there's really no point in looking at those numbers if we're simply trying to depress an audience that's already uh, focused on getting results. But I think they're important to look at because they raise a critical question. And that is, what can we do in the midst of these challenges that will absolutely maximize our opportunity and will allow us to uh, compensate for what might be uh, uh, diminishing returns during the holidays as compared to the previous years. What can we actually focus on? And I propose a different question. What can you do in the next two hours with us here on this call that's going to be worthwhile and that will be actionable? What can I possibly say that could make that great a difference? And I really would like to begin to try to answer that question with two kind of principal thought movements. The first one uh, kind of sets up a series of key lessons and case studies, and we'd like to look at that with you together. I think the first part of what you need to focus on, based on years of research in this particular area, is this. You need to optimize your e-commerce landing pages for maximum yield per visit. And you need to do that even before you optimize your traffic drivers. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But optimize your e-commerce landing pages for maximum yield per visit. Now, when we say yield per visit, we're talking about something more than just a conversion rate. We're saying that if you have 100 visitors and, who visit your site, and you achieve 22 cents per click with those 100 visitors, and you shouldn't be achieving 90 cents a click, clearest way to stretch your marketing dollar and to get significant results on your traffic driving efforts is for you to optimize the actual landing page, your home page, or product page that this traffic happens to be moving towards. It's, it's found money, and it should be encouraging to you because while many of us have thought about optimization and we know we need to do that, many of us have not realized that across the country right now, There are hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars that are leaking every day in our current web pages or sales and marketing process. So much of the research I've been involved with for many years has been focused on discovering how to diagnose that problem and then how to correct it. Now, I'm going to go off my notes for a moment and just point something out uh, to you that might be interesting. We just completed a research test with an online retailer. Here's what we discovered. In one 30-day test, that involved their cart. We ran an experiment and the net yield of that experiment was 53 million dollars. Now, that's encouraging news and the executives were excited but I said to my team they should be excited and at the same time they should be grim because during the six months that we've been proposing this experiment and that they've delayed in executing it, they lost 24 million dollars. Now, in times past, you might be able to afford to lose some money and push optimization off to a future point. But at present, you cannot do that. You need to do everything possible to increase the yield per visit. Having said that, let's get down to some things we can do that will actually help us. So we're going to go to a a simple heuristic that many of you have seen before called the conversion sequence. If you're already one of our certification students or you've been in many of our other clinics, you're familiar with this. We are going to look at it in a very different way today, and it's not going to be the core topic. But I want you to know that there is a way to focus deeply on your side. And you can read about this at the Marketing Experiments website. Just type in the word conversion sequence or conversion index in the search box. But it isolates a kind of psychological process that uh, is associated with people who are moving through your website. And we want you to be able to understand how to apply that in a practical way to what you're doing. So if I could, I'm just going to move us uh, to an actual example of someone who's applied this to their web page, and from that case study, I'm going to start to draw some principles for you that will help. All right. So if you look at the page that we have in front of us, you'll see that this is actually a a, a retailer who focuses in uh, down and feather and uh, and in pillows, etc. So this proprietor visited our landing page optimization workshop in the month of June. He learned the conversion sequence principles in depth and worked with our analysts on ways to optimize uh, the site. Now you look at it for just a moment and you should be able to use the Q&A features on your website to communicate with me at present. And I'd like you in fact to, you can use chat or active questions and I'm not sure which to recommend active questions. Uh, My tech people are saying active questions. I want you to give me right now, as an audience, the top three things you would change about this site, so I'm watching for your results, and I'm going to help you communicate those to everyone all right, so let's just see here how would you correct that? Scroll down if you would i'm I'm being assisted here by Austin, who is in our technical group, all right. All right, so first of all, you would. Uh, many of you are focusing on key areas. I'm watching as these come in. Uh, what I would suggest from a kind of a consensus is that many of you note know already that there are problems with the IPATH on the page. Uh, this proprietor learned the conversion sequence principles in depth and worked with our analysts on the way to optimize the site, and the first thing he did was take a look at the IPath itself, and he said to himself, what can I do to get more people to make the right decision once they visit this site? And uh, having done that, and thought through some of the principles that we're going to be talking about now, he redesigned the page. And uh, I'm looking at some of your signs. Someone says, less text. This is Catherine, bullet points with stronger messages. Someone else says, what's the headline? Someone else says, this is Ray, less text. Uh, Steve says, include featured products. Nathan says, a clearer value proposition. Pat says, too much text. Justin says, take off the credit card logos. Bonnie says, too much information. Uh, on and on. Dick Friesen says, the value proposition gets in clear. All of you said some very good points. The value proposition is a very important one. Let's look at the page that, that uh, was redesigned. We'll break it down in more depth throughout the presentation right now, but it will be critical for you to just kind of see the two pages. So here's the new page. You'll notice some key differences were addressed in the optimization, and they include uh, the company's real value proposition restated, uh, has been emphasized, it's clearly articulated, and showcased on every page. Always free shipping is emphasized, and uh, while the credit card and BBB logos are gone from the masthead, you might wonder, well, why wouldn't you have those there, especially the Better Business Bureau logos. And we're going to talk about this more later. And you're going to learn a great deal about how this actually works in the psychology of the landing page process. But people aren't concerned yet about the safety of the transaction until they've made a decision that they want to make the transaction or until they think that they might want to make the transaction. And we're not there yet at this page. We're answering the wrong questions too soon in the process. Now, that's been corrected on this new page. And it also has the top 10 products list. And it has browse options and the customer care section is in the left nav bar, and it reiterates the value proposition's key elements. There's a big emphasis here on the value proposition, and I'm going to talk about that in just a bit, but I'd like you to see the two pages side by side. Now, as you see them side by side, I want you to note that we had a very excited merchant who contacted us, having reworked his site based on that short time like we're spending today, and he saw a increased conversion rate of 145%. Now, I can't see your faces, and I don't know, uh, I'm used to lecturing in a crowd uh, where I can see. I taught in San Francisco at the B2B conference, uh, landing page optimization, and and a number of uh, topics for the last three days. I was at Baylor University prior to that, and I had an audience. But I can imagine that this audience would like to improve their conversion rate by even half of that, and if we could learn something today that would make a difference, it could be helpful in terms of achieving your objectives for the holiday season. So so let's drill down, because here's a concern that I would have if I were you. I see the old page. I see the new page, and I think, yes, but this is nearly the month of November. Our busy season is starting. We have countdown to the day of Christmas. We cannot redesign our site. We cannot go back and reprogram our site. Already, IT is backed up. So what is it I'm going to be able to learn that's gonna make a difference in a short period of time? And I wanna emphasize for you that actually what needs to happen now is we all need to focus on this phone call on what we can do so that we achieve the most for the least amount of energy. And by energy, I'm talking about time and money and the key resource inhibitors. So thinking about that, let's look first of all on the types of e-commerce landing pages we wanna focus on. And as we're going there, what we're really trying to do, what we're really trying to do is to understand where we can get the greatest lift for the least amount of work. So you've got your home page and your category pages and your offer product specific pages. I often feel sorry for e-commerce providers who are inundated with advice about optimization that's focused only on a kind of single cell landing page when in their particular space, they have unique challenges, not the least of which is many, many skews and complex navigation. But in most cases, these are the three pages that make the difference. So we'll start by narrowing down to that. And then let's ask ourselves, which element can we change that will actually help us get a lift, but which elements can we change that won't require enormous amounts of resources? So here's some of the easiest things you can change. Again, my goal is to drill down on something you can take away with after this phone call and apply and see results in a matter of days. The first one is copy. Your headlines and subheads, body copy, calls to action and testimonials. Probably one of the easiest things you can change on your page is copy. And I will show you before this call is over what to do with your copy to get a significant lift, particularly as we do the transitions from headlines to subheaders to body copy and this applies to products or category pages or to home pages. Now, your graphics. Uh, Sometimes graphics are reasonably easy to change as well. We're not talking about programming, we're just talking about an image. And so, uh, in some ways you can't go back and redo all of your product photos, but if 80% of your revenue is coming from 20% of your products, and if in those 20% there are five outstanding products, just what you do on those graphics could make a huge difference. Hemingway said, make every symptom's tale. We need to make every graphic tale. Our graphics are not working hard enough on our sites. Credibility indicators. These are all the things that give people confidence in your your character and your competence. And then to some extent forms. At least perhaps your email opt-in. This is where most retailers are losing a significant amount of money during the holiday season. They are not capturing the email addresses they need to capture, and so they're not being able to remarket to them post-season. They have to pay to get that traffic back again. That's a mistake. So, we've identified the types of pages. We've identified the actual elements on the pages that are typically easy to change and that don't require significant resources. But this leaves us with the question, all right, so what do I do? What is it that I do? And I want to suggest for you that there are three key areas of focus right now that could make a dramatic difference. In a little while, we're going to apply these three key areas to your own landing pages. Many of you have submitted your landing pages. We're going to be looking at them together. But for now, let me talk about the first one of these. And that is that you must emphasize your value proposition. I am appalled at how many e-commerce sites are unable to communicate a clear value proposition. And it works to your advantage because I can bet all those that your competitors are not getting this part right. Simply emphasizing the value proposition can produce a major yield. It did for this company, the one we just looked at, it produced 145% yield. Now, there is one question you need to ask when you're thinking about your value proposition. Just one, and that is this. Uh, you need to be am- able to answer if I'm your ideal customer, why should I buy from you instead of any of your competitors? If you cannot answer that in a single sentence, then you are not prepared to articulate your value proposition on your web page. You need to go away and think deeply after this call. And you need to ask yourself, all right, so in general, that's your company, but it's also true on your product pages because your products have their own value proposition, a kind of sub-value proposition. Now, we only have a short time together. And so the easiest way for me to help you see it when it's right and to see it when it's wrong is to look at examples. And I'd like to kind of help you with that. And as I do, I just want to point out where we're at in the kind of, thought structure I'm trying to build and help you with today. We're going to look in two main parts, and we've started the first one, and this is about optimizing your site for the highest yield per visit. Under that, we've looked at the categories or the types of pages, and we looked at the kinds of elements that you can change easily. Now we're on the first of three three key principles, and the first one is emphasize your value proposition. Now, when this person that we looked at earlier, when David Smith submitted the page that we saw. It was a professional page, and we asked him to express his value proposition. It took a a very long paragraph to do that. And much of what he described as his value proposition uh, needed help in terms of articulation. We looked at that long paragraph and tried to fix it. You know what I fear would happen if I ask most of my audience what their value proposition is? Let's see for just a moment. So take a moment. Tell me your value proposition. I'm going to read them as they come in. Go to your question and tell me your company's value proposition. I'm looking at active questions. I'll give you just a second. And as you as you type in that answer, I want to look at the kinds of answers we're getting. This will help us. Not to mention you might get a free commercial for your retail season here. So tell us your value proposition. If you're struggling to answer that, if you can't answer it right away, it's an indication that you're not ready for this year's retail season because every marketer should be able to answer this question at the drop of a hat. I'm watching as you try to – giving you just a few moments because I know you've got to type uh, some lines to get these in. As you're doing that, I want to look at the value proposition that was submitted uh, by uh, – David Smith in comparison with the new one. So let's go to the next slide and look together. We're still watching your value propositions come in. I'm going to read some of these. Uh, Here's one, products to inspire the practice of yoga. Here's another, home of the nation's top designers. Um, Now, as you're looking at that, I want to come back just to those two, and I want to help you. And I'm going to say this just first names. I don't want to embarrass anyone. I'm saying this just to Steve, and uh, I think it was David. Uh, Take the first one that you just said, home of the... Well, let's go to the other one. Uh, Products to Inspire Yoga, I think was it. More coming in, and so my technical audience is trying to bring me back to that line. The question I would ask you is, if I am your ideal customer, let's suppose you know the profile, let's suppose I'm interested in yoga and I fit the profile that you're looking for. If I am the ideal customer, why would I purchase from you rather than any other yoga studio or yoga company? And if you said to me, products that inspire, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're saying something meaningful. And, uh, and, and, and I have particular empathy for you because I practiced yoga, I've been in the martial arts, and I, I I empathize with you. But if you will let me say this gently, you do not have a value proposition there. It doesn't answer the question. Any competitor can say the same thing that you've just said. The same thing when it says home of the world's top designers. Now, you might be able to turn that into one if you can name the top designers in the world and everyone recognizes that and it validates your claim. But the reality is In both of these cases, we do not have a value proposition. What I think I heard was a slogan. Your slogan is not enough if it doesn't imply your value proposition. That's number one. Number two, I often get, and I'm getting from many of you that are submitting right now, a description of your business. A description of your business model is not a value proposition. All that is, is an explanation, and an explanation is good, but it's not enough to make me buy. It just explains who you are. Uh, I've been married 21 years. This is probably uh, not a good time to explain that when it came time to <laughs> optimize my relationship and ask my fiance or that my girlfriend if she would marry me, uh, it wasn't enough for her to know just who I was. But there was there was something unique about her and unique about me. That attracted us to each other and made us feel like we were the, we were the right person for each other. Really, there is an implied, you know, kind of proposition there and it's called, that's why we call it a proposal when we actually (laughs) ask someone to marry us. And you need to go back and say, when you're asking these people to trust you with their money and you're asking them to choose you over all other competitors, what are you offering them that provides a compelling reason? And if we look at the at the Featherbed site, here's what you can see. Uh, we kept working on his value proposition, and he couldn't say it as short as I'd like him to say it, but he started saying something that really mattered. Now, there was something we noticed. They don't harm any birds when they acquire the down. And what we did was poll our various audiences and see how significant that was. And I know that for a small portion, uh, perhaps, of the, of, of the customer community. That's very important and they intensely believe it. But we were concerned that wasn't enough for many of their potential customers, even if it's noble. So he emphasized this, we will adjust any of our feather pillows, down pillows or decorative pillows for a period of one year from the date of purchase. You cannot make a mistake when buying our luxurious down pillow. That last sentence is just an explanation of the one thing he does differently than his competitors. These are high-end, specialized pillows, and they will adjust them for you for a period of one year. He began to emphasize that, and you can't argue with the results. He saw 145% lift. I've got to keep moving in order to cover my time properly, and I, I want to look at another site that was submitted. So, here is the site. My life is beautiful. That's the, the slogan that is supposed to imply some kind of value proposition. Rank it real quick. Tell me in your votes. One, two, three, four. How would you, how would you rank this on a scale of one to five as a value proposition? Five means very good. Uh, one means very weak. Zero means non existent. I want to see what the audience is doing, and I'll share that with you. It takes a moment for all of your responses to come in as we're moving live, so we're watching those come in. While you're voting, uh, I want to just look at at the page again on the right and I want you to think about the design of that page and where the value proposition is being communicated. Forget the message for a moment but first of all, it's gray on white. Bad choice. Don't ever do it. It hurts you. Uh, Secondly, it's in banner blindness up above the fold where no one else actually pays attention to it. Once you come below, when I say the fold, I mean up in the banner. There's banner blindness there. Once you come below that, all that you're hit with is a graphic. If you're a retailer, do not do that. People don't buy from websites, people buy from people. You need to meet them with some text and you need to greet them and tell them how to use the site. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, and you need to imply or state your value proposition very, very clearly. I am seeing a two, three, these are the rankings, three, zero, one, one, zero, zero zero, two, one, zero, zero, one, one, one. I'm gonna agree with I'll just tell you right away, I'm gonna agree with the zeros. That's not a value proposition at all. It doesn't answer this question. If I'm your ideal customer, why should I buy from you instead of a competitor? Why? Because my life is beautiful. Uh, So what? I'm sorry to be so so candid, but you need a stronger value proposition than that, and you need to give me here in an opening paragraph underneath the banner why it is I should trust you rather than anyone else. This is part of this will connect with the next point I want to make for those of you that are going to try to get a lift right away from your landing pages, but please notice something. That doesn't mean you can't have it up there with jewelry days. That doesn't mean you can't be part of your logo, but do not rely on that only to communicate your value proposition. Now, there is way more I'd like to talk about this. Every aspect of your, supplies of your website either supports or states your value proposition. We may not be aware of that, but many times we contradict our value proposition with the other elements on the page. All I can say right now is this. If you want to get better results this holiday season, you need to ask yourself, why should someone buy from me rather than one of my competitors? When you have the answer, you should communicate that very clearly on the site in multiple ways, in multiple points, so that everybody understands what makes you special. If you can't answer that question, you're going to suffer. You are surviving on pockets of ignorance, and you need to go past that and actually provide value that's recognized and it's instantly credible. Don't use superlatives. Don't use qualitative statements about how fast, or you're the leader, or you're the top. Give me a number I can believe, because no one believes marketing speak anymore. That takes me to the second point. I hope I'm helping you. If this is, you know, give me feedback as we're going. I'm going to try to control our pace. We have a lot to say and sites to look at. If you are just now trying to get a handle on this, I'm saying, Go back and emphasize your value proposition and now I'm going to talk to you about the number one way I think beyond that you can get a significant lift right away and all you have to do probably is move or change your copy and might maybe move a graphic. Here we go, number two, intensify the clarity of your site. You heard me say this if you've been in any classes I've taught, clarity trumps persuasion. You do not need a word gift. You do not need to be a wordsmith. You do not need to buy a book about the magic of words in order to talk to your customers. If you have a true value proposition, your next great challenge becomes talking to people so clearly they understand three primary questions. When people come to your website, it's like reading the mail. They're looking for an excuse to throw it away, to click away. They're on a hunt in most cases. I'm not talking about returning customers, but those who are coming in and who are trying to determine where they're going to buy. They eliminate possibilities and settle on the right one. And when they're in that mindset, you've got to meet them with three things that form what I call story click. If you're a writer, you've written a screenplay, story click occurs at the point in the screenplay where somebody gets it. They understand, oh, this is where it's all going. Now, in this particular case, there are three questions and they are vital and you've got to understand them. Number one is where am I? Believe it or not, when they click on your ad and land on your page, there's a moment of disorientation. If your ad doesn't have an expectation created that is absolutely met by the first thing they see when they come to your landing page, they are disoriented and that will kill conversion. They need to know where they're at and frankly, in page after page after page, it's not clear. The second thing they want to know is, what can I do here? Believe it or not, even if they're trying to shop, they're not sure how to do it. Now, do you shop by brand? Do you shop by the navigation? Do I look at the products that are on the page? There is clarity of problems if you don't make it really easy. Like, there are three ways you can shop at xxx.com. I'm just making up a phony domain. You need to be very clear on where am I, what can I do here, and why should I purchase from you? The why part is the value proposition. You want to state it on the page, but you want to emphasize it in depth in any body language or product language in such a way that helps them understand not only where they're at and what they can do here, but why they should do it with you. This is about clarity. And I have seen over and over and over and over again that clarity trumps persuasion. And we're going to look at your website. And one of the first things I'm going to ask when I come to your website in a few minutes is, wh- where am I at? What can I do here? Why should I do it? This brings me to the uh, kind of a graph that I want you to see. We'll do this quickly. Uh, but what you'll notice is that there are, uh, if you can see the graph yet, uh, five key areas that are instrumental that really matter when people are coming Uh, to your site that you need to communicate clearly about. The top five things they're interested in, according to the poll that we have in front of us, is free shipping, more product details, an easy return policy, a prepaid return shipping, and better product images. Uh, If your site offers these top options, are they stated clearly enough throughout the site? Many, many times we're losing customers because these five big motivators are not being promoted properly. So let's talk now about a third inhibitor, and then we're going to move off of this first main section. If you have done everything possible to emphasize the value proposition, if you have done everything possible to uh, intensify the clarity of your site, then it's time to do the third thing that will absolutely produce a yield for you, and that is reduce inhibitors to conversion. Now, what is an inhibitor? It's any kind of psychological process that slows people down or stops them from making the purchase. The first of these you've heard us teach before is friction. The second is anxiety. Friction is different than anxiety. Friction is a kind of psychological resistance to a given element in the buying process, it's aggravation, it's annoyance. And you correct that by minimizing the amount of aggravation necessary to go through the site or to place the order. You can't eliminate fiction, but you can minimize it. Anxiety, however, is completely different. And it is a concern rather than, say, simply an annoyance. It's something that troubles, worries, vexes the customer. And you can only correct that by over- by overemphasizing the opportunity that they have to escape such fear. That is, it's not enough to simply say, we have a privacy policy statement, but if they're really concerned about privacy, you need to have something that overcorrects the concern. The same thing is if the concern is about customer service, or their concern is about product quality, or if their concern is about refunds. You must overcorrect for anxiety. That's where you use your credibility indicators. Do not just take a nice testimonial and put it on your website, but match the message of the testimonial to the actual concern that someone has in the process and put it real close geographically on the page so you stimulate an answer to the question at the same time that the question is arising in the mind of the person. Now, I say all of that to kind of prepare you for the next key point. We've said there are three things emphasize the value proposition. We said that you need to you need to intensify clarity and that you need to reduce or minimize inhibitors. That is, you know, friction and anxiety. All of this can be done on a web page rather quickly if you were to sit down right now, print your landing page or pull it up. I like to print it and put a transparency over it, paper clip it to it and begin to mark. Mark every area of friction and anxiety with a red and a blue marker and figure out how you can reduce the amount of friction or how you can reduce the amount of anxiety on your page. Then ask yourself, is my page communicating clearly? Can I actually see the page properly? And uh, once you've done that, work your way through and say, do people know where they're at, what they can do here, and why they should do it? Never simply barrage your visitors with a big graphic when they come to your page. Or a series of graphics. People need to talk to people. Conversation starts. It starts in their mind, but there is a conversation that begins when they arrive at your site, and you need to anticipate the conversation and answer their questions. But I want to take you to a real home page that was submitted, and I want to have Jimmy Ellis on the line, or Aaron Rosenthal. These are experts in our sciences and optimization groups here that conduct research at our laboratories, and we're going to actually look at a landing page, and we're going to apply the things we've been talking about. I know that what I've said has been principle-driven, but I want to make it very visual so you can imagine exactly how you can make these corrections in your own, uh, in your own situation. So here we are. This is Tavana. We found their top performing keywords is loose T. Their underperforming keywords uh, is, the, or is uh, green tea. And you can see it's Tivana.com. If you'll look on the left-hand side of the screen, you'll actually see the, the ad copy. And uh, it's blown up, so you can see a little bit clearer. Loose tea, shop our delicious, healthy teas, free shipping on orders over $50. It's not a bad ad. Stay there for just a second. Think about that. In just a moment, I'm going to have Aaron Rosenthal talk with us. Uh, but in the meantime, I'd like the audience just to take a moment and submit what kinds of changes they would make to this page. So give us a second. Tell us the number one thing you would do to improve the performance of this page. While you're doing that, and those who are coming in, uh, Aaron, uh, are you prepared to, to, to share with me as we look at this page together? So sure. To inter- just interrupt me. All right. So, so Aaron Rosenthal is here, and he oversees a lot of our research in these areas. We're watching your suggestions come in, but Aaron, take a look at this page and tell me what you would do to try and immediately help this merchant get a lift. And sure. when Aaron does that, I'm going to take what he says—that's kind of a, a specific to this page—and I'm going to translate it into principles that you can apply to your page. The main ones you should already know, and that is—that is, intensify the value proposition or emphasize the value proposition, emphasize clarity, and reduce inhibitors. But there's some things here about the channels, because in our next section of this, we're going to actually be looking at this, or paid search ads as they connect to your product pages and to your websites, and we're going to be looking at examples from our audience. For now, Aaron, talk to us about Tavana.
1: Yeah, and the first thing I want to do is I want to look at the pay-per-click ad, and they've done a fairly good job, but I think there's still some room, room for improvement. Uh, when I look at the paper click ad, I say, what is, the, what is the most compelling piece of this ad? And it might be that free shipping. Um, they're doing a good job of matching up the expectations of a user who is searching for the keyword loose tea. However, uh, it still doesn't tell me anything compelling that would make me click on this ad versus any one of the other uh, uh, ads, at least in the headline. So, uh, So... Test some variations of loose tea and using the, using the free shipping offer in the headline. I would see if I could get a little bit of an improvement there. The other thing that I noticed is you are doing a good job of targeting keywords within your within your URL. The, uh, um, currently, the URL says www.teavana.com slash gourmet plus teas. Um, rather than using gourmet plus teas in the uh, file folder extension of your URL, I would try testing either Loose Tea or Free Shipping within that file folder itself and see if we can get a, an additional bump and click-through rate on this pay-per-click ad. But I think the bigger issue is actually on the landing page. The, uh, while the, you're doing a, a pretty good job in your, your ad, when I get to the landing page, uh, there's no mention of Loose Tea. Furthermore, I, I, I'm hit with this Halloween um, illustration, and I'm almost... I'm I'm almost so concerned that I say where am I at? Is, is this even a tea vendor or where how do I find loose tea I'm, I'm I don't know that, that I'm on the right site I have to take a minute search around get my bearings set and then when I start reading the copy scared of um oolong oolong teas are frightfully good this does not tell me anything about loose tea and it doesn't doesn't reiterate the message that I just clicked through on you you're, you're you speak a little bit about Tivana and why you, why I would want to shop there, but you're hiding it within your banner over on the right hand side. When a user comes to your page, their eye path goes from top to bottom, left to right. So you're actually hiding the most important information to a new visitor uh, on the right hand side of your page, and you're asking them to you're asking your image rather to do a lot of the uh, communicating to those new visitors that are uh, that are coming to your page. And I'm not sure this Halloween-style uh, uh, image is, is doing that, that communication, or, or at least communicating to me with what oh, I just put through on.
0: What Aaron said is very important for everyone here. Let me give you a couple of things that I see are common errors across retail site after retail site after retail site. We are so used to marketing in a um, kind of... Um, offline world, that we have taken offline approaches and simply put them online. Now, I have just arrived at this page. I want to know where I'm at, and I want to know what I can do here, and I want to know why I should do it. So if I tear this page down for a moment, and as I tear it down, uh, I, I just kind of want you to take, think about your own page, all right? Here's the first problem. I've been met with a magazine ad. This looks to me like a magazine ad. It's flat. It's one dimensional. The graphic is too large. It doesn't connect with me in a conversation. There's no personalization. And the right hand side of the page, which should be used to support what you're saying in the main, hand, main part of the page, is trying to do all the work for you. But while it does it, and there might be more, this is the only part of the page I can see, and I'm looking at the slide, but uh, while it's doing it, it's failed to accomplish some of the most important things that every tailor should do on a page like this. So. Listen closely to these and see how they apply to you. We're going to do this for about two more minutes on this page, and then I've got another one coming up from someone else in the audience. First of all, it is not answering where I'm at. It says Tivana, which doesn't automatically mean I'm on a T-store. I am on a tea store i did not even connect the name with tea the first time I looked at it. Underneath Tivana, it says, Opening the doors to health, wisdom, and happiness. That is not a value proposition. That is not even a business model description. That is not really much of a slogan. And while I think that tea drinking may provide lots of opportunities for dialogue and conversation, and my training is in philosophy and I drink a lot of tea, uh, I can only tell you that we've done nothing right on the top of the page. And I I mean this graciously to the person who submitted it, uh, but it's absolutely wrong. We haven't helped them understand where I'm at or what I can do here, and they are confused. Since they thought they were doing something called loose tea and came to a Halloween motive, which is a giant graphic, we're in trouble. What then should else, what else is missing and what should they fix? Well, first of all, they need a slogan or a description that helps them know where they're at real clearly. Next, we need a headline, and it doesn't need to say scared of all, or whatever that is. I can't hardly read it which is another problem, it's the wrong kind of font. It needs to be a headline that engages them into the site with an implication about your value proposition. The headline needs to lead to a paragraph of text that explains who your store is, what they can do in the store, and probably has a few text links in the paragraph to actual products. Underneath that, they actually need to see products, your main products, in this case, loose tea, right away, so they can visually ID where they're at and so that they can quickly make the decision to purchase if they already know that's what they want. Always get the main message in the middle of the page. Never use your columns to do the main work. Columns should only support the message in the middle of the page. Now, I'm gonna to move to a
1: new page. Add one more thing. There's there's yeah. no call to action on this uh, on this particular page. You've got no, these uh no. um, these names of T down at the bottom of your your image, but I don't realize that I'm supposed to click on those. Nothing about them looks clickable. They're not underlying links, it's not a button. I don't realize uh that people are that I'm supposed to click on them and you're probably losing a lot of your customers because they can't figure out what to do once they're on your site.
0: Well, this is, this, is, uh, this is vital. I'm going to move us to a new uh, example here in just a moment. But the call to action is very important, but it comes back to what's the goal of the, of the page. And probably the goal of this page is to get a click. Because if you don't click deeper into the site, you can't buy anything. And every single element needs to drive you towards clicking on a product or deeper into the site, perhaps in a product category. With that in mind, I want to move us and look at a new page. Before I do that, you just keep giving us feedback. I hope we're moving the speed that will help you the most, it's difficult uh, to balance giving you content that will help you and at the same time looking at landing pages and more or less cashing it in. But that's what we're trying to do. So here is the Timber Ghost. You should see that new page. Top performing keyword is bows and arrows. And underperforming keyword is Easton, that's an arrow maker, and super slim, super slim 400 arrows. I think 400 has to do with uh, uh, the actual arrow type. So the homepage URL is uh, timberghostshop.com, and you can see the ad in front of you, and this ad is in particular uh, the actual paid search ad, and I'd like you to think about what you would do if you were the marketer. You had to get this page fixed up for Christmas season and producing as effectively as possible. What would you do to get the most value out of this? After we've looked at this page, I'm going to talk to you about the second main change that you can make that will... that will dramatically improve your Christmas season. But now let's look at this live page submitted to us by one of our audience members. Aaron, what are your thoughts?
1: Sure. Uh, the first thing I notice is, and this is actually a natural search ad, not a paid. But uh, the first thing I notice is that you're, you don't, you aren't submitting to Google a, a, an actual meta description of what the site is. And what, what it's rather doing is it's crawling the information, the um, uh, the copyright and uh, address information at the bottom of the page, and using that within your description. Because Timberland Ghost, even though it's the name of your site, is not a unique name to uh, to your site. You're also having to to uh, uh, compete with all these other Timberland Ghost sites, I would uh, I would actually uh, look at tailoring meta descriptions or adding them because when I went to the source, I didn't see that you had them. Adding a meta description that helps convey uh, the value of your site and entices a click, so to get them on the page. Uh, you know, when I arrive at your page, you're, you're almost you're you're almost talking um, uh, to me too fast. I, I don't you haven't built any trust with me yet and unless I am already familiar with who Timberland Ghost is and what you can offer me. I, I'm not sure uh uh I'm not sure you're doing enough of that communicating. What I mean by that is everything on your homepage here is talking about sales. Even your buttons are talking about sign up today and buy now. Um, You speak to me in headlines that say fall sale and then special alerts and buyer's guides. You still haven't told me why I should shop with you, why I should trust you with not just my money but my time when I get to your site. Excellent point. Jimmy, I think Jimmy's uh, uh, on board. Jimmy, do you have any thoughts on this as well?
2: Yeah, I'm actually – can you hear me okay, Aaron? Yeah, go ahead, Jimmy. Yeah, I finally got on here, and I got everything working, I think. So I'm looking at the page, and I'm thinking the same thing, Aaron, is – and one of the things that we typically do, especially for e-commerce, is we say, you know, how how do I shop here? And I'm really not sure where to go. If you actually pull up this URL, there's an animated – that image in the middle is an animated image, and it keeps changing and kind of distracting me a little bit. But it's not doing anything besides just letting you know you're on a hunting uh, and, and, and archery site um, – it doesn't do anything besides that. So I would use imaging that would convey our, uh, the value proposition, which is not stated. So when you come up with that value proposition, state it and use your images to help communicate that. I see a fall sale, and it's a save big and all the brand name gear you need, but you're not connecting with the actual brands. List the brands. fall sale, out, how much can I save? I don't even know. It's receive-free shipping, but, but that that's the only incentive on here. I, I haven't figured out what I want yet. So I'm looking at the rest of the page like you're talking about, and I don't realize the top nav, I'm identifying as top nav, but this doesn't look like navigation to me. I see specials, buyer's guides, and featured product, and I actually pulled this page up and clicked through, and there's actually no links for the buyer's guides. There's nothing there yet. Um, and, the, and the specials alert, um, the actual copy and content that they're using for the specials alert, it doesn't tell you why they're special. Are you, Is there special savings? Is there limited supply? Are they exclusive offers that are only carried here at com? I don't know, because be the first to receive special limited-time offers on products in our online store. But that still doesn't communicate why I should actually want limited-time offers on what. You know, if I'm in, into fishing but not hunting and archery in optics, well, I don't want all the other stuff. I just want specials on fishing. So make it more specific and make it more valuable for the user.
1: And now let me, let me take you back just a second, because Jimmy just said, "Be more specific." and what it's, it needs to start on the keyword level and on the ad level. If people are searching for bows and arrows, they shouldn't be directed towards your home page URL. They need to go to a page specific about bows and arrows. The same holds true somebody's looking for a specific product, like an Easton AC Super Slim 400 Arrows, they need to go to that specific page speaking to them directly about the query that they just searched for in Google or Yahoo.
0: All right. Now, all of this is good. I want to keep moving. I want to help you get to more and more landing pages, gentlemen, so that they can all here supply this stuff to live pages. But I do – in fact, Aaron, you just really – introduced us to the second major portion of this playbook. In the first, we've talked about optimizing your landing pages for the highest possible yield per visit. Once you have done that, then it's time to focus on your traffic. If you drive a lot of traffic before your pages are optimized, you're losing a lot of money, just like the site I mentioned. They were losing, uh, at the beginning of this uh, time together, I talked about the site that made 53 million. But they were losing $4 million a month from not having optimized that one part of their process. So let's look for just a second on this next key section. Once your pages are optimized, you drive qualified traffic to those landing pages with the highest yield per visit. What we're talking about now is getting your traffic in there, quality traffic, at your lowest possible uh, price or acquisition cost per click, or per visit. I'm gonna use visit so that I go beyond click. So, what do you do then? Well, look, it's Christmas, it's almost here. I'm trying to give you something you can do immediately and you certainly can't overhaul your organic search campaign in that time. You might get some results, but you can't overhaul it. And you certainly, can. there's a lot of things you can't do. But here's some two areas where you could probably get significant lifts and I wanna focus on those uh, as, as we continue together here. Uh, so. The first one is uh, your email, and the second one is your paid search. Email and paid search. These are the two most important of the three that we want to talk about. And I'm moving rapidly uh, through our slides. Uh, to, I'm just letting my technology group know as we, as we focus in on the most important content for today's session. If you're going to focus on email in a way that will allow you to get the highest possible return for the least amount of energy, back to our mantra for today's session, then there are four areas, the cinder fields, the sunshine, the copy, and the graphics. You can see about the copy on the slide, the headlines and subheads, body copy and offers, calls to action, links, the graphics uh, are broken down into three categories. Uh, you can read them there on the slide. The product photos button calls the action credibility indicators. But what's important to know is that you can typically move the needle very fast with email, and I have good news for those of you that are worried about the Christmas <coughs> season. Emails sent by retailers are so bad that if you can do a few key things here, you can get a significant difference in your email right away. Let's look at paid search for a moment and then we're going to drill down on these and look at live examples. But the other key area is paid search, and all we're looking or all we're asking is which elements can I change the easiest? And of course it's the keywords, the negative keywords, and the copy. So we've talked about email, we've talked about paid search. We haven't told you what to do about those elements, but I just want you to understand that. And uh, let's look for just a moment, and Aaron helped me. Look at this next slide that has the search term for diamond bracelet. Now Look at these four, and uh, and Aaron, uh, comment on this, and also the difference between product-centric copy and company-centric copy.
1: Sure, and let me first point out that I did notice a a, a, a typo on the character limits over on the left-hand side. It shows sixty car. It mentions sixty characters here. You're actually in Google. Mm-hmm. You're limited to twenty-five characters in the headline and seventy characters in the body. Um, exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah, but but. Here we're talking about a product-centric copy versus uh, a company-centric. And what we mean by that is a product-centric copy talks about a specific product and why you would want to buy that specific product. A company-centric copy talks about why you would want to buy uh, from this specific company. Uh, For example, the last ad on the page talks about David Yerman Jewelry and why you would want to shop uh, for David Yerman Jewelry, rather than talking about a specific diamond bracelet that is maybe manufactured by David Yerman. These are two different approaches, and depending upon the audience, uh, it, it, one can, uh, you know, you could certainly uh, make the case for each each type of copy. But oftentimes, when you're bidding on a specific search phrase, like a diamond bracelet, you want to focus on that product-specific or product-centric copy.
0: All right, so we've looked at this, and we've looked at organic search, and I'm going to move us along up to three keys. We looked at three keys on optimizing landing pages. And I I don't want to get either too simple or too complex, but I need you to understand these three keys so that when we start looking at the next round of landing pages, you can see why we're making the comments that we're making. If I couldn't do anything else to improve my page search or improve my email, if I only had a week to get it right and I knew that Christmas season was on me, there are three areas I would emphasize or focus on in all of that kind of channel traffic copy. So if you'll notice, the first one is relevance. Focus on relevance. Ensure that all messaging is consistent between your channels and your landing pages. I am going to bet that most of my audience already knows this, but I'm also going to bet that much of our audience is not actually practicing it, and it's something you can do immediately. Notice the example, Apple iPod Touch. You click on the ad, and you see the new iPod Touch. That is close to relevance. Uh, If everyone knows iPod and Apple as they do, that's probably sufficient. Under most considerations, I would actually have the word Apple in there also. In this case, it's probably not necessary. And yes, there are many things wrong about this page, but at least there is relevance. Listen to me. People are moving through your site through a series of thoughts, and they're anticipating in each step or each click something that's coming next. The minute you give them something that is not what they expect, you have site flow interrupt. They are disoriented. They slow down. You start to lose them. It costs you conversion. It costs you yield per visit. So emphasize relevance. That isn't new for all of us, and many of you are are used to marketing experiments laying out complex new discoveries based on our research, but I have to say it to you because this issue is different. This special two-hour clinic is different. Trying to help you identify what to focus on amid the myriad of things you could focus on in this important kind of urgent time. Which brings me to two. Emphasize urgency. Now, the holiday season has a built-in kind of urgency, but your channels and your pages need to capitalize on it. You need to tell them how many days they have left. You need to tell them how much inventory they have left. You must emphasize urgency in your channels because you're not just trying to get them to click, you're trying to get them to click now. And that is the critical piece. And you need them engaged in doing that. Very critical. The last thing I want to talk about in, before we get to some more landing pages is highlight or feature exclusivity. It's very important for them to think three things. Relevancy. When they clicked, there was something they were looking for. They need to see what it is they want. They need to feel it's urgent that they respond to it Now? And if it's at all possible, they need to believe that you are the only place or the best place for them to get it. To the extent that you can take this triad, it's almost a medieval philosophical triad of thoughts, the exclusivity, the urgency, and the relevance, and focus them in your channels, in the email messaging, in not just the messaging itself, but actually in the paid search ads, in both of these Mediums you're going to see a much higher click-through rate. This gets them to the landing page. Now it's important for me to point out something here that many of us are they need to know right away, because we're going to make a big mistake in this area in Christmas if we don't. And that is that, that the goal of the landing page is to sell the product. In many cases, it's to get them to click deeper into the site, so you can sell the product. But the goal of the email, or the goal of the paid search ad is to get a click. If you try to sell too much in the paid search ad or especially in your email, you're mitigating your results. Many of us send these big, complicated emails full of product offerings and lots of information, and they get blown out and not read because we have competing objectives. You're not going to make any money just because they liked your email. You're only going to make money when your email intrigues them enough to get them to click. The email does not sell. The email generates interest. Go back and look. In fact, to get very actionable, take your last five emails that you've sent and or the ones that you're getting ready to roll out for the Christmas season and lay them all out on a big long table and look at the messaging and ask yourself this, is this email been written to get a click or has it been written to sell something? Because selling them in the email is a problem when you sell them in the email and then you send them to the website and you try to sell them again. If they're sold, you don't need to sell them again. And if they're not sold, then you've got a big problem because you're not going to get them to the website. You're losing so many people because we're using our channels as if they're the selling vehicle. They are not the selling vehicle. This helps you get ready uh, to to capitalize on this traffic and to magnify the response rate, which brings me to uh, a kind of key that connects to your channels that I want to talk about. I see this I see this problem every Christmas season when I review big retailers and the progress they made, particularly in the in the, in the the boom years that we've had recently where retail has just gone through the roof. And I'll see where a retailer has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, or even in many cases millions of dollars, driving traffic to a website. The traffic gets to the website and the only choice they have is whether to buy or not to buy. They fail to connect with the visitors and they only connect with the customers, and many of them do not do a good job of connecting with the customers. It's important that you connect with visitors, not just customers. Why should you buy that traffic from that click again? Listen, if you want to get past the Christmas season and have a decent 2009, you need a community of people that you can be communicating with, and you won't have that with a standard kind of email sign-up form that I see on sites. They're awful. Retailers are the worst. What I found is publishers are pretty bad retailers and retailers are pretty bad publishers. So what you end up with is a publisher who doesn't sell products very well or a retailer who doesn't get subscribers very well. You've got to be both. You are not just a retailer. Not if you're building community. You've got to create points of interaction and you've got to get people to exchange information with you. And if you're not capturing a major percentage of the traffic that comes to your website, if you're not capturing their email address, leaving money on the table this this season. Now, that'll play in to some of the things that we talk about. Uh, Look quickly at the table I have in front of me. Look at the conversion rate difference between new visitors with returning visitors. It's very interesting. In apparel, returning visitors are likely to, to convert at eight times the rate that they will when they first came to the site. In computers and electronics, it's 23% as opposed to one. That's 23 times more likely to buy from you. Look at, look at all categories, no matter what business you're in. The, if the conversion rate is 2%, then if they are coming back to your site, you're likely to get them at 13%. That tells you something. It may be something you haven't heard or focused on enough during the holiday season. Because you know what? It's one thing to get to the holidays, but you still got Q1 coming And you've got to do well in Q1 also. And the key here is to capture those opportunities. Build relationships, don't just sell stuff. And then get them back to your side where you'll have a a greater opportunity to convert them. So I'd like to just uh, quickly move forward to slide uh, 40 for my technical team. And I want to point out something that you'll be able to get later. But we basically, though we've broken this into two sections, we're preparing now to do serious live optimization. In fact, the whole balance of, the, of our time today is going to be looking at your web pages. But before we engage that, you should be able to see 13 keys that summarize all the content. Now, we, we kind of built this into a system, and if you look at it, we said there were two big things to focus on. The first one was to maximize the yield per visit for your current landing pages. And the second one was to attract quality traffic at the lowest cost per yield, or cost per visit. But now, if you take the things that we said underneath all those points, and you put it all together, here are 13 principles that you can apply right now to try and get results for this season. And what I'm going to do is think about these 13, but in particular, the three subsets of principles that we talked about under each, and use those to look at real landing pages submitted by you to our team. So, let's review some examples from today's participants to illustrate these, these kinds of strategies in action. And uh, the first site that we're going to look at is K-Elite Sportswear. G-K-Elite Sportswear. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and let the audience look at that for a moment and... Could you talk to me? Tell me the first thing you'd change about this landing page or this paid search ad. I'm going to watch as your results come in. In fact, I'd like to pause for a moment and give you a chance to give me your interaction. Uh, so quickly respond to what you would change about this particular page. As these responses come in, I'll share some of them with you. I'm just kind of watching to see what you're learning and what you're thinking from your own experience. And two things happen here. We help each other and we help the person who submitted this landing page. All right. While those are coming in, let me go ahead and hear from uh, Jimmy. Jimmy, talk to us for a minute. Tell us what you do to get this ad and this page working well. Somebody says, this is Nathan. Uh, This is our audience. We need a more defined call to action. Jason says, there's no value proposition. Uh, Tim says, how do I buy? Rob says, man, this is good stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was a question. This is uh, Sell who says, so is click-through rate a better KPI than actual conversion for email campaigns? Uh, no, you need to pay attention to both. But if you only look at conversion and you don't look at click-through, you can't answer the why questions that are so important to marketers. Marketers don't ask enough why. We just ask how, 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 how. What's my objective and how do I get it? We need to dig down deeper and ask why. All right, Jimmy, go ahead and talk to us about this page.
2: Sure. So the, the actual ad says gymnastics leotards on the bottom. For the top performing keywords, it actually says Sean Johnson leotards. I'm going to talk about the ads real quick first. If I had to guess, that top ad works better because it's much more specific than gymnastics leotards. It's talking about the special Sean Johnson ones from this year's Olympics, which are probably really hot. The URL says slash team USA. It's much more specific. So what happens is that these ads qualify the user or the customer much better than the generic ads. So they're going to have a higher motivation. And when they get to the landing page, most likely, now this is slash Team USA, and I don't think we're looking at a slash Team USA page. It looks like it's probably the home page or for the second ad. But I'm, I'm guessing that everybody's wearing Team USA leotards. It's much more specific. And it communicates exactly what the ad says in the design of the pages or what
1: people are actually wearing. Um, if, not, me, if not, you absolutely need to uh, uh, start sending them to the team or send them to a page that is tailored towards the Team USA Shannon Johnson or Sean Johnson uh, apparel. Sorry to interrupt, Jimmy. I just wanted to make that point. Very
3: good.
2: So so very good. In a second ad, it's just gymnastics leotard, which is the under underperforming keywords, this is probably what you're going to see with a generic keyword, and you have a lot of products. What, what many retailers do is they do something like, this is leotards. It might, it was, I use comput- electronics just because it's an easy example. You send people for monitors keywords to a monitors, like you know LCD monitors landing page. Well, what happens is there's an overwhelming amount of information, and they don't know how to make a buying decision. This may be the same thing here. You're seeing a very generic ad to a very generic page. And then when I look at this, it's 49 new leotards for fall, winter. Prices as low as 29 Shop now. Why would you Why would you make them take an extra click on this page to start shopping? When they already said gymnastic leotards, you already have 49 of them. Why wouldn't you start listing them on this page? So there's some friction in their process. I
0: questions.
2: Yep. And so when I'm, when I'm going through this particular page, you have an image on the left that, that communicates you have leotards, but typically you're going to want to locate your content that's going to help them find what they're looking for on the top left-hand side if you can. So you have the, the headline that, that directly connects with the user. Then you need to help them figure out how to shop on this site. Right now it's just the shop now link and they go to the next page, and I don't know what's on the next page. Um, but besides that, I'm looking for, you know, within these 49 new cards, okay, what's the cheapest? What's the most popular? What's the best? Is there different t- styles or types? Help me make a buying decision by listing the information that's going to help me find what I'm List looking for besides having to scroll through or look through 49 different versions of a leotard?
1: Let me just send something really valuable, and this, needs, this is applicable to all e-commerce sites, and you need to help the customers make a buying decision. What A lot of times what we see is is companies sending uh, users to these directory-style pages uh, with all their different products on it, and they're expecting the customer to do too much thinking. Don't, fix it. Don't leave all the thought process in the customer's hands. Help them make a buying decision. You've already worked very hard to get them to your landing page. Once
0: they are there, help guide them through the process. That's a very, that's a very valuable point. And, and let's just do this. We've got more pages coming, and I'd like you, while I'm talking to you now and preparing a new page, to start entering questions for us because we're going to do some Q&A with you. Be, feel free to ask specific questions about your own retail challenges. We're going to have some, you know, some, very, some time set aside to try and help you solve problems before we're done today. But let me just look at this page. I don't want to p- spend too long on one particular page, but it's important that we draw as much transferable learning out of each page as we can. And so I won't add very much. I'll simply point out that, number one, the ad has sent us to a magazine cover, to a magazine ad. This is not a website. It's a box magazine ad. A, I can't make out the value proposition for the company at all. It might be the prices, but I can't tell unless I've been to other sites that these are good prices, and I don't trust the word as low as twenty nine ninety five dollars 95 because what that means to the average person who hears it, what it means to me is that you may have some lousy product for 29 but then you're going to get me with the real prices when I get in there. Now, you're not that way, and I don't mean to be hard to, to the person that submitted this, but I'm telling you, the postmodern consumer is skeptical. Instead, I see a giant picture. It helps me know where I'm at. It's good that I see leotards. I understand where I'm at, but what I don't know is what it is about you that makes it uh, better for me to purchase from you than anyone else. In addition, there's major design problems. Look at all the squares and boxes. Every time you build a square, every time you build a square, what you do is you, 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 you mess the iPath up. You stop them in centralized locations. Right now, your eyes are going to go down to the left, to the leotard, and then you've got to cut over to another column to figure out what's going on. And you can't tell if that connects to the box on the left or the two boxes below. And you don't even know if those are clickable. I can't tell if that's navigation or if it's just pictures. I still can't tell. And I, and I want to say this, again, I say it so graciously because I, I really want to help you. I'm not trying to hurt you. But this page is so bad but if you can fix it in time for Christmas, you could double your results off of this page, and I find that to be exciting. So, so look at what we've said, think about your own pages, and let's move on, and, and let's look at some more responses here in, in just a little bit. I, I also have seen some very, very good responses coming in from uh, the audience in terms of thoughts that they would do to improve this. All right, while we've done that, I want to go on to the next slide and look at another landing page. So this should be coming up for you pretty soon. It's a wall decor group. And audience, you're seeing it right there. Tell us what you would do to make this site better. How can we help this merchant? In fact, let me ask you the question. If you're the marketing director, this is the page you have to work on. What are you going to do right away to get a gain? Something easy, something they can change right away that will get results for them in time for the holiday season. While you're looking at that, get ready, uh, Aaron, to talk to us about this particular page. All right. I see your results coming in. And I see good questions coming in from you also. We're going to get to your questions. That's coming up very soon.
1: Aaron, talk to us. Sure. The first thing, when I'm looking at your your uh, per ad, I'm, I'm saying to myself, what differentiates you, you from your competitors? You, you're telling me in your headline that you've got metal wall sculptures, uh, but all your other competitors can tell me the same thing. It's what I just searched for, so all you're doing is matching up my keyword expectations for, uh, with my headline, but you're not giving me any compelling reason to click on your ad versus any one of your competitors' ads. You've got some more compelling stuff in your body copy, but you're not targeting it in your, in your uh, title or in your headline. Um, so test using those 20 to 40% off uh, the phrases. Test using the free shipping phrases within your headline or your title of your ad. And I think what you'll see is you might be able to get some higher click-through rate. Same goes through. Uh, same same thing for your uh, your URL, folks. URL is a great the display URL on your pay per click ads is a great way to bump up the click through rate in your uh, in your paper in your. On your pay-per-click ad, whether using a subdomain or a file folder of your of your display URL, you can usually find a slight increase by testing some different variations there. Uh, if you've got free shipping, use free shipping. If you've uh, if you've got if you offer 20 to 40 percent, uh, use 20 40 percent. What this, what this company um, is not doing is they're not, they're not targeting their, uh, um, any specific language within their URL that helps convey that this is what I'm looking for. When I get to the landing, when I get to the landing page, I, I immediately am hit with these ad boxes. Um, you've got the sophisticated wall art, and on the, the right-hand side, you've got wall vessels, deals of the week, ca- uh, cast resin. I'm, I'm almost overwhelmed with all these these little banner ads, and you're, what you're not doing is you're not communicating to me the value proposition or it, the value of why I should even be here or why I should spend any of my time here. When people are clicking through pay-per-click ads, they are moving very rapidly looking for a specific thing, and you have to convey the value to them in order to keep their attention, keep them on a landing page. Jimmy, do you have anything else to add?
2: Sure. I think I think one of the things I think, Aaron, you're so uh, enthralled with the landing page and getting to that that you miss the, miss the first piece, and it's the point that Flint already already made. The disconnect between <laughs> the ads it's the ads in the landing page. So your ad says gorgeous metal wall art. The keyword you told us the top performing keyword is metal wall art. And you said that's your top-performing keyword, which is interesting because I think you can improve your results much better by just making a, a couple quick changes. So top-performing keywords, is metal wall art. Ad says gorgeous metal wall art. The, the, the second line the ad says wall sulfurs and metal wall art, free shipping on 150 and up. I go to the landing page and I hit sophisticated wall art. Well, I wasn't go. looking for sophisticated not, wall art. I was looking for called, metal wall art.
0: This is, J, Jimmy's now, it, but for those of you in our research, we've been doing this for years and studying. Uh, uh, this is called site flow interrupt. The expectation you created in the landing page is not being met. I'm sorry, in the ad is not being met when you hit the landing page. And this will cost you every time. Uh, serious conversion rate. Go on, uh, James. So,
2: so, so we miss. so there's no metal wall art in the headline. In that image, there's no metal wall art that I can see. I see wall vases, deals of the week, cast resin. Below it, I see hand-picked oil on canvas. So, you know, if you're really picky, I'm sure the person that submitted this page is saying, well, look under sophisticated wall art. It says Sophia abstract metal wall art, but it is so small you will never instantly make that connection in the customer's mind that I am now on a metal wall art site. So your current top performing keyword for metal wall art, you will instantly increase it if you can land them on a page that screams not only with the copying content but with the images, metal wall art. It's... For your, un- your underperforming keywords, modern wall art, same thing. Hit them with all the modern wall art on the modern wall art page. I'm not sure what you have to work with, but start with a headline that includes modern wall art. And then you want to continue the headline with that mention, the free shipping on 150 and up. So I would, like, on this one, if I was going to do the metal wall art, I would say something like, you know, over 49 unique pieces of metal wall art at, uh, and get free shipping when you spend 150 and up. Something along those lines where you're connecting with the metal wall art, you're using the incentives, you're using the ad, and you're visually seeing samples and pieces of metal wall art to get them started.
0: Alright, now I'm sure the audience wants to go to a new page, but, but, but if, if you'll bear with us, I, I, I still want to help you just a bit more because there's so much here that's transferable to so many of you. There's two things I want to point out. Number one, all you're dealing here as a design page is boxes and graphics. People don't buy from web pages. People buy from people, and all I've got is boxes and graphics. And I want to help you get past that. And you've got to start thinking differently because this is not a display shelf, and this is not a magazine ad. It's a dialogue between a sales representative of your company and the person who's visiting your site. That's what it should be. But at present, there is no dialogue. You're just hitting me with images and then stopping me with bars across the page. And it's respectable. Many retail sites look just like this one, but this one can be so much better. And I hope that doesn't offend you. I I hope you know that I'm only excited about what you can do to get great results. So before we go to the next page, every one of you that's on the line right now, I wanna take the advice that these guys are giving and I wanna break it into categories and I wanna give you the questions you should be asking. So just follow me, because this will tie everything we've been saying together. The first thing we said was emphasize the value proposition. Has that been done here? Absolutely not. The second thing you'd want to do is clarity. Where am I at? What can I do here? Well, I know where I'm at. I have some idea what I can do here. I don't know the best way to shop. And no one's talked to me. No one's met me. There's no personality that's come to me. And I certainly don't know why I should do it, because the value is not there. So this is failed to emphasize the value... It's failed to, uh, to intensify clarity. And then there is the inhibitors related to friction and anxiety. And most of that's going to show up after we click off this page and get into the cart where well, there will be lots of friction and probably lots of anxiety. But there is still friction on this page, and that is because my, my eyes go all over the page. There is no eye path. There are five elements that impact what I see first, second, and third. They are size shape, now this is not a slide, I'm just talking off the top of my head, size, shape, position, color, and movement. You have an enormous graphic in the upper left, so you have both position and you have uh, uh, size, drawing my attention to that thing that says sophisticated wall art. But I can tell you right now that if your audience comes here and that's not the kind of art they particularly like, and you know how people are about taste, it is so in their face that you were already getting people to click away because you've, you've led as if you were certain that's the one that's going to motivate them that you're different, and it's likely not. So think about that, and then if you look at the paid search ad over here, what do we talk about? Relevancy, urgency, and what was the third one? Uh, audience, do you recall? You could just type them in. Relevancy, urgency, what are the three keys in this triad? You want to emphasize uh, relevancy, you want to emphasize ur- urgency, and you want to focus on exclusivity. Nothing on this in the ad or even on the page makes me feel any urgency. Uh, relevance is poor between the ad and the page, and I have no uh, sense of exclusivity. I hope that taking that extra time isn't boring any of you, but I hope you see that I want you to go away with this for more than general suggestions. Take those six things and apply them to your web pages. Get results now, right away, within a week. And email us about it. All right, I'm going to take some questions, and we're going to look at a new landing page. So here's one. What if you don't and can't do discounting and or free shipping due to supplier relationships? That was submitted by Hanley. I'm sorry, the, the company's Hanley Wood, and that was submitted by David. Uh, the David, uh, the answer is that you need some other form of incentive, and certainly free shipping is not the only one, and sometimes discounting has a reverse effect on the quality of the product. So what you need to ask yourself is, how can I find another kind of incentive that will motivate people? Always look for an incentive with a high perceived value differential. What that means is what customers believe it's worth and then, or perceive it to be worth, and then what it actually costs you need to have as wide a range as possible so that you have an incentive that is both appealing but low cost or inexpensive for you to offer. Look for the highest PVD. We teach that in our certification course. All, and, and let me say this. In the end, I'm going to show a slide, but uh, we are doing research on the Christmas season. If you will go to that slide or even go to the Marketing Experiments website and click on Research Partnerships, We will, some of you, not very many of you, but some of you we may partner with during the holiday season to try and help you drive revenue so that we can actually um, finish our study on this year's Christmas season. It's a tremendous opportunity for you. And you can go to our website or you can watch for the slide at the end and uh, it'll tell you uh, what it is. In fact, go ahead, yeah, thank you. Here's the slide, you can look at that while I'm gonna continue to answer questions. Should I use the buy now buttons or add to cart buttons on my retail site homepage? This is from Peter, uh, category page and product pages. I would be very careful about using buy now, especially in the beginning when they haven't even made a firm decision that's what they're wanting to do. Think about where they're at psychologically and be careful about add to cart. If there is a cart and you use add to cart, often you'll get more purchases or at least more things loaded in the cart because they realize that they're adding it to the cart but they can take it out later. This will lead to some frustration on your part as you wonder why am I having all these abandoned orders? But it still may lead to a higher net yield in the end as you may get more purchases based on the simple psychology that people are filling up their basket but they can walk away if they don't want it all. Uh, I think buy now implies there's no turning back. Don't use the no turning back mentality until the last possible moment in the transaction. All right. Uh, how do you help guide customers through the checkout process? This comes from uh, Ty. Ty, every single page of the checkout process should be doing two things, two important, important things. Uh, first, it should be emphasizing the value. Don't stop selling when people get into the cart. Sell on every page of the order process. Remind them of their value. Remind them, emphasize why it's good for them emphasize the value proposition on every page of the card. That's number one. Number two, help them clearly identify where they're at and what they can do to get through the order process. Don't allow an iota of confusion. Make it simple, really clear how to move through the process. If it's three steps, sometimes you want to tell them. It's one of three steps. If you're asking them to do something, tell them, give them a good reason for it. Instead of saying, give us your address, say, tell us where to send your merchandise. Imply a value, imply value everywhere in there. Now I've said two, but I'm gonna add three. Minimize all inhibitors, friction and anxiety. Get rid of any annoyance that you can and, and overcompensate for anything that's creating anxiety. That will get way more people through your cart and that's a great way to improve your results in the Christmas holiday season. Let's look at another page. I uh, I want to keep going. Those are good questions. We'll look for some more if we have time. But let's look now at a jewelry store page. Okay. All right. So let's help this company, and, uh, and, and let's help them get a real result, and let's learn something that applies to everybody else. So the audience, look at this, and you're going to ask yourself three things. Are they emphasizing value? Is they emphasizing clarity? And under clarity, it's where am I at? What can I do here? Why should I do it? And then you're going to ask a third question, It's not just clarity and value, but what is the third principle as you look at the site itself under that first section about landing pages? Reduce the inhibitors. That's the third one. Is there anything I can do to reduce friction and anxiety on this page? Those are the three principles. Look at the page. See what you would do to fix that. The other principles apply to the ads. But look at the page and just apply those three things so you can get in the habit of thinking this way and look at your own pages this way. While the audience is thinking about the page, let me get some feedback from uh, Jimmy. You go first this time.
2: Sure. Now, I'm looking at the the landing page in the ad, and I don't see which ad is actually from Jewelry Basket because it's not listed there. Maybe it's New Jewelry Gifts slash Disney. I was going to try to add something, you know, the motivation of the user before clicking through, but I'm just going to go straight to the landing page. So when I get to this landing page, given they're looking for Disney jewelry, which is the underperforming keyword, the landing page has that, like the first thing that's communicated on the page is that headline. And it says Disney jewelry, but that's all it says. It just states what it is. There's no value proposition in that headline. You're not communicating anything besides, okay, you got it. But now I want to know, okay, why should, if you have Disney jewelry, why should I buy it from you? Now the, the elements of a decent value proposition are actually on this page, but what's happened is they put it up in the header. And what's happened, if you look at the header, you'll see some call toll-free, and you see some bullets right under that. Those pieces are getting lost in that header because it looks like a banner. It's, a, it's within an image. It's black text on a blue background. It's harder to read. I'm seeing. I'm trying to read it right now because it's really small. So 30-day money-back guarantee. We can gift wrap and wrap and, engage, and, and engrave free shipping on orders over 75, international shipping. So the pieces that I want to see as a customer coming in here that might help me a little bit in terms of why I should buy from your store compared to any other Disney jewelry store because there's lots and lots and lots of them is that you have a 30-day money-back guarantee and you can get free shipping over 75 bucks. Um possibly the gift wrap in engraved, especially around the holidays. You might want to emphasize that because lots of people like to give personalized gifts. But so then when I get here, I'm looking for that headline. You want to move those things from the header down into the eye path of the customer in like an intro section uh you know, headline, intro text, start the conversation with, with, with the person that hits this page. Hit them with your bullets that are relevant to the company value proposition and go into the, the product-specific value prop. But I see here it says Disney jewelry, and you see a bunch of jewelry, but there, you can't buy that right there. It's just an image showing you have Disney jewelry. It doesn't help you make a buying decision. It just reconfirms that you have it. Then I see these two ads on the right, or two products on the right, Mickey Mouse jewelry, Minnie Mouse jewelry, but why are they right there? Is there something important about them? Is, give me a reason to click on those specific ones. If not, they're just getting in the way, and then you have categories. I think you have categories below that. When I would come to the page, I do a good intro headline. I do an intro, to probably two or three sentences of why I should buy from you, hit them with the bullets, with your 30 day money back guarantee and your free shipping on order orders over 75, and then go into the types of Disney jewelries that you carry. So you're directing them dr- right into helping them make a buying decision by helping them find if they want Disney, Winnie the Pooh, Disney, Piglet jewelry, Tigger jewelry, Tinkerbell jewelry, all the categories that you guys have on the page.
0: Jimmy's point is very good, but I'd like to point out something the whole audience, uh, we haven't said about the last three or four pages that we've just critiqued together. It's, it's a problem on the page you're looking at now. It's a problem on the page we looked before this. It's a problem on the page we looked before that. The one that we looked at called Wall Decor, there's not even a hint of it on there. Where is the opportunity for you to capture an email address and win the relationship over time by nurturing potential customers? There is no email sign-up form anywhere in sight on the Wall Decor site, and there doesn't seem to be any here either. And you say, well, that's on the home page, but that's not good enough. It needs to be on every page of your site. You need to give people a reason. One thing we used before that was really effective and caused record days for a retailer was we advertised what we called the low price survey. Now that doesn't work if your prices aren't very low. But we we actually surveyed websites around the internet and we reported the lowest price on the net for the particular items people were looking for. We knew that eight out of ten times our, our research partner site would be the one that had the lowest price. But we even published the results when it wasn't their site that was lowest. The reason is that we wanted to do this honestly and we won the credibility that we needed with customers by telling them the truth. The lowest price survey is compelling. If I'm gonna give you my email address, I'm interested in this particular category and I'm gonna get once a week the lowest price survey anywhere on the internet where I can purchase this, I might sign up. Now, some of you, that won't work at all, but my point is Give me a reason to give you my contact information, especially my email address. There's too much money. Right now, more people are going to be visiting retail sites than any other time of the year. Even when there's less purchases, I doubt you're going to see that much smaller in terms of the volume of people who are looking. They just will purchase less. That means you have an opportunity to capture thousands, tens of thousands of new names that you can have relationships with, and it needs to be on every page. Now, I'm going to let Aaron talk. We're going to a new page in just one moment, uh, and uh, but I'd like you to think about that key point because it could help you a lot as you prepare for Q1. Aaron, go for
1: it. Sure. Jimmy made some very, very valid points, and Flynn as well. Uh, But there's something that I I think we as retailers don't do, and and that is differentiate between a site value proposition and a product value proposition. Much of the information that's at the top of the page that Jimmy pointed to, the 30-day money-back guarantee, the uh, we will wrap and engrave, the free shipping over $75, that's a site value proposition. And that's why you should shop with this particular site. But there's also why you should buy this particular product. So when you send them to a, a, a specific page like this that talks about ju- Disney jewelry, um, I need to know why I should buy this specific Disney jewelry. Or if it's a, if it's a page like we'll see in the next slide on uh, Mickey Mouse jewelry, I need to know why I should buy this particular piece of Mickey Mouse jewelry. What is it about this particular piece that is important to me that is why, it, why I should buy this piece versus another piece that I have versus another piece that's available but with one of your competitors? it's it's a very important part of the uh, of the landing page process, and it's how you should you you can start by guiding customers into the buying
0: process. Is hmm. hmm. absolutely right, and we could say more, uh, but I'm going to take us to a new page. So let's go forward and let's look at another page. And while we're doing that, I'm going to answer a question. It says this is from uh, uh, Denver. That's the actual first name. How can I create a sense of urgency for an evergreen product with no immediately apparent urgency? Well, uh, I'd have to see the product, Denver, to give you a straight answer, but I can tell you how not to do it. Don't create an artificial urgency that's a lie. I see it done all the time. You know, offer good for X or offer good for Y when that's not the case and the date moves forward or rolls constantly. Tell them the truth, number one, but number two, you can create urgency by more than simply say, you know, saying there's a limited supply or that the product you can buy at any time. There's an urgency that can be associated by price. If there's a special reason why there's a certain price, urgency can be created by adding an incentive. Denver, you can promise them something extra when they make this purchase as long as they make it by a certain date. That is one of the best possible ways to drive up. the the urgency factor. Uh, Someone has said, this is Rami, do the same principles apply if you're selling a service and not a product? Rami, they do, and you need to get uh, certified or something in one of our classes on that because we have one that's more focused on that. But, uh, and I'm not selling that, it's just, it will help you. But certainly, uh, value proposition. Uh, Service is only a kind of product. A service is a kind of product. It's still an offer. And it still needs clarity, and it needs urgency and relevance, etc. Alright, All right, um, I'm going to take another question. Peter said, um, or Kelly said, in trying to build valuable content on your site to help consumers research and aid in, in SEO, is it helpful or hurtful to include product for purchase? Does that devaluate the content in the consumer's eye? Now, Kelly, if I understood you right, what you're saying is that if you're putting content on a page designed to increase your SEO rankings, uh, is it alright to put products for purchase on the site? Yes, uh, but it's better to use in-text links and drive them to the product page depending on the psychology of the page itself and what they expect when they get there. It's better to give it a strong editorial feel, and I wouldn't feature products like an ad. I would integrate them. You know, here are three places you can purchase X. I would have blue text links at various points in the editorial that drove people to a place where they could buy the product. In many cases, you'll get a much higher yield than that. I've watched one retailer grow a major, a major retail, I'm going to say, mom and pop empire. And he did it in this particular way, building lots of information sites using blue underlying links uh, driving people from that niche content to his health product. And what's interesting, I didn't know this until after a year we'd been working and studying his work, is that he was living in a tent in Alaska. And, uh, and he was generating many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars a month with a strategy like I'm describing for you now. Let's talk about the page we have in front of us. So uh, uh, I'm, gonna let, uh, I'm gonna let Aaron go to start with now on this one. We're almost done, you're doing very well. Let's hear uh, a critique of this particular site. So, uh, Aaron, go ahead.
1: Sure. And first, looking at the keywords and the the, the pay-per-click ad, it looks like uh, your top-performing keyword is actually the name of your site. And I think, uh, and I can certainly understand the reason why. You're probably getting a lot of repeat customers or people that are familiar with your site coming through that specific keyword. Something you may consider, since there's other competitors bidding on your keyword uh, and your your URL, the try using in the title of your ad and also in the body of your ad her room, or official her room, or her room. Even using that your domain name, herroom.com, and reiterating that you are the actual site, the official site that she, that you're looking for. I think you might be able to find that you can get a little bit higher click-through rate, and help differentiate yourself from your from your uh, competitors who are also bidding on the name of your site. Now, other things that you may want to try in your pay-per-click ad, you've got some really good ways to uh, shop, and also uh, incentives that you're offering, like a buy two get one free. Absolutely. If you're going to send them to a page that 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 is targeting or marketing the buy two get one free, start it in the pay-per-click ad, it's, an, it's a great value add, and it's going to help you differentiate yourself from some of your competitors. The other thing that I noticed on your landing page, you've you've got many different, you, you, you're trying many different strategies on this page. You've 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 got first of all, you've got three columns of information. You've got a navigation, a primary body copy and a configurator over on the right-hand side. Whenever we've tested uh, pages that use this sort of three-column design versus a two-column, versus one that has has supporting information or navigation in the left-hand side or the right-hand side and primary body copy, they never seem to outperform the two-column design page. Um, So I would certainly test you sending them to a landing page that focused on a two-column design. So navigation, primary body copy, or uh, uh, certainly supporting information on the left-hand or right-hand side of your primary body copy. I think you've got two different types of sale that you're working on on this page, the buy two, get one free promotion, and also the bra finder. And the, the bra finder or configurator, th- that I called it earlier, can be very effective but I think you, you can use some uh, some language changes, and I wouldn't try promoting it on uh, on the exact same page that I'm doing the buy two get one free. You've almost got too much going on, where I don't know which which is the best way to uh, um, to find my product. I would look at a strategy that actually in- integrated those two offers. Um, so. Find, find the perfect bra for for you, or find two of the perfect bras for you and get one free, and then go through the four steps or the three steps to find that bra for you with that with your with your bra finder or your configurator. Jimmy, do you have uh, do you have additional points to add?
2: Sure. My, my main points are about the the, the paper click and the keywords so and, and how it has an impact on the landing page. So Erin and I talked about, you know, her room is going to be your most qualified keyword term in almost every case because people have a previous experience with you. Lingerie, the underperforming keyword, is so generic. It's like if you're looking for, you know, Microsoft Outlook, you know, 2003 or something like that, and you, you typed in software in Google. You're not going to sell if, if you carry Outlook 2003, but but using the keyword software. You're going to get so many people looking for other types of software that you're just not going to get very relevant, high high click-through, high conversion rate keywords. So a lot of times, these one single word, very generic keywords, you simply can't use it. You can't get the profitability. You have to test it and see what you can do. But if you did something like uh, bra lingerie, underwear lingerie, and you qualified it with two, three, four keyword terms you're most likely going to be able to um, extract some of the value out of the generic lingerie, but you're using those qualifiers to, to land them on, to a to, to, you know, more specific ad, first of all. So then, for example, I'm just going to do um, uh, underwear lingerie or, or something related, or Her Room underwear, where your whole ad is going to be about Her Room underwear, first line, second line, URL, herroom.com slash underwear, something like that. And on that landing page, you're going to do something like, if you have it, use like the underwear finder. And that would be almost the entire page. It would be talking, you might have a buy two, get one free, uh, start finding your brand new underwear, uh, you know, step one is select your preferences, and it goes right into your configurator, and that's about it because they're looking specifically for underwear. So what I'm saying is use more specific keywords, use more specific ads and more specific landing pages, and you're not going to, in this instance, um, you know, this is sending someone right to your homepage is what it looks like. You don't want, your homepage is not, your shouldn't be your primary landing page unless you only carry one product. So keep that in mind.
1: <laughs> and Jimmy, I just noticed one other thing. The whole buy two get one free piece. It, it, it appears like there are actual coupons that you have to use for different uh, types of lingerie um, in order to get that coupon. That coupon thing. There's, what you're doing is you're 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 distracting by. By presenting them options to get the coupon, you're taking them away from the brawl finder. I would, what we're suggesting here is we are simplifying the process, condensing it into a single call to action. So use the brawl finder and get to get one for, uh, get to, buy two, get one free. Uh, start your search today, that sort of thing. Condense them into one single call to action. Right now, you've got. Three different calls to action on the box, you get one free, plus you've got the Brawlfinder, Finder, plus you've got all the additional information below it. It's too much. It's information overload when a customer comes to your site.
0: All right. Now, I, I want to just uh, I to answer some serious questions, but let me answer a couple practical ones. Uh, so twice you've asked me, I'm seeing in questions, can you give us an example of a good retail landing page? I can't now because this is preloaded and because I just didn't have any really good ones to show you. The Her Room one is better than many that I see. It has some implied value proposition, et cetera. Uh, but, uh, and, and I would also say, though I agree with Aaron on what he just said, typically if you feature more products on the page, you can increase sales. And I, I acknowledge that as a retailer. But there is confusion, and the Brawl Finder in itself is uh, – there's a way to uh, – you need clarity like there are three ways to shop on this site, one, two, three, and actually give them that, one, two, three, make it really easy. But let me go on. We're going to send you this edition. All of you that are attending will get the printed version of this, and we will include in it examples of some good landing pages, so you'll be able to look at them visually. You'll also be able, I think, to get the recording and listen to this again. So between those two points, I think we'll help you get everything that you need. Now, I'd like to just uh, go on for a moment and quickly begin to answer questions. Here we go. We're going to do this fast. Some I'm going to throw over to Jimmy and Aaron. Guys, I'm going to answer these in about a minute you know, uh, or less. While we're answering questions, add more, because this is the last chance I've got with you as a whole group, uh, and I'm talking about those of you that have joined us today. This is the last chance I've got to actually uh, help you get ready for the retail season, and I want to do everything I can to answer relevant questions. Someone said, should the email form, this is Tim, be available on every page? Yes. Are you a fan of it being in the header or further down the page? I like it in the left nav, and I like it on a few key pages in the center area where people are confronted by it directly in the linear thought process. It's better if it doesn't stay always on one point somewhere where people get kind of a, a built-in blindness for it. But I would be careful about putting it in the header because often... it gets banner blindness, and it is not seen. If you mean the top banner when you say header. Uh, that might answer Art's question, too. Do you place the opt-in very low on the page and the cell focus within the fold? No. No. I, if you do the opt-in right, it won't hurt sales. And you want to capture those names and follow up. You also all need to be doing cart recovery. I hope you're doing this during the retail season. You want to make some money? Here's how to save a huge portion of your orders this year that are getting lost in the cart. Capture the email address first. If you can do this technically, it's very easy, but I don't know if some of you can make these changes, but oh, what a difference it will make. Within an hour of them coming into the cart but not buying, uh, they need to have two emails. The first one should be within 15 minutes. It says, we noticed you didn't complete your purchase. It should not be from marketing. It should come from customer service, and it say. Were you having a problem with our server? Is there anything we can do to help? Just click here to go back to your cart and finish your purchase. It's something very nice, very gracious. That drives them back. If you don't get them back within 15 minutes, you send them one more in an hour from customer service. And this one has the same message, intensified. I typically send one more within 24 hours and offer a special incentive like a discount or free shipping. You could recover, when I tried this in the first test, I think Jimmy and I were involved in that test, we just saved 6,000 abandoned orders in short, in a very short period of time. And you can save so much of your lost purchases. Many people skip out of the cart not because they don't want to buy, because they're distracted, because they get a phone call, because, for, for many reasons, make it easy for them to complete the order. Let's keep going. Uh, do services like the McAfee? This is from Brian. The McAfee Test Daily icon affect conversion significantly. Uh, I don't know about significantly, but they often help with the conversion, but they help when you place that logo where people are worried about such things, such as near where they're asking for the credit card. Placing it at the top of the site on the home page probably does you very little good at all. It's important to put the credibility, the credibility indicator, and that's what that is, in close proximity to the time or the place on the page where they're worried about such issues. This is from a new question now from Ty. Sign-ups, Ty and Kelly, uh, oh, <laughs> no, it's not a question, it's a compliment. Thank you, Ty. Uh, someone says, what are the most effective methods of driving high volume of email signups?" Uh, what do I think about sweepstakes? Sweepstakes are good, but be careful that they connect with the actual product itself, otherwise you have people coming to your site who have very little incentive to purchase because they are more incentivized by the sweepstake than they are by your offer. Make sure the sweepstake connects to the c- offer so that you're getting the kind of people to your site that you want. And that helps in email sign-ups, but the most important way is simple. There is a scale. On the one hand is your request for personal information, i.e. an email address. On the other hand is what you're promising them in exchange. Make sure what you're promising them is worth more to them than what you're asking from them. I know that sounds basic, but that's where we mess it up over and over again. Give them something worthwhile. All right. I'm going to answer some more questions as those are coming in. Uh, Let me go to another one. Um, Someone asked, can you comment about using a PayPal or Google card where customization is not possible? Uh, Jimmy or Aaron, take that one.
2: Sure. What we've seen with some of the partners we've tested with in in other case studies is that, um, the, 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 good thing about a Google checkout or a PayPal checkout is because it gives people credibility. They're familiar with it. They know it's relatively simple and easy. A lot of times they already have an account, so they can check out faster than a traditional checkout process that might be on your site, even if they have never purchased with you before. The bad things are, what you said, you can't customize the actual checkout process, or at least you're limited. Uh, if you can customize it, and I think, um, in some of the PayPal and even some of the Google, you can actually uh, change your logo and your header and stuff, use that space as best possible. Put credibility indicators up there like security ratings, um, you know, five-star reviews from certain sites, anything that can help you uh, give you credibility, reduce anxiety, or, or add value to the actual shopping cart, use that. But a lot of times what you're going to find is using their cart system is probably going to give you a bump up of conversion unless you've already optimized your shopping cart and checkout process.
1: Yeah, and if you're looking for where to start optimizing your, your current checkout process, take a look at what the default Google and PayPal use. They, they have very few fields, they are very simple, and they do a lot, both those companies do a lot of testing on those checkout processes. So, if you're looking at your checkout process going, I want, I don't know where to start, Take a look at those. It's not going to help you with guiding them through the process, but it is going to help you with, with getting an idea of how you can simplify your checkout process or Good the fields that you're asking
0: within the uh, checkout process. Good for both of you. Uh, we have Mark Borowski saying, where would the appropriate place be to refer to a company's blog and uh, related blog?" And I'm just going to say that it's good to have it up in the navigation, but it's also useful if your blog has content related to products or categories integrated into that. Also, during the greeting text, when you're welcoming someone to your site, you may discuss the blog with a link, but be careful that you don't drive them off your retail site to the blog. It may be that the blog comes in a separate, smaller pop-up window, or if it has highly featured sites that are very compelling or products, then you may go there, but just be careful that you don't drive traffic away when you do that. Um, someone said, uh, Jimmy answered this one, should my product picture be above the product text or beside it? What are you Um we,
2: we, we typically put the headline at the very top, product picture at the left, text on, starting or on the right, and here's one of the formats that we think works the best is we try to put as many things that will help impact the buy, the customer's buying decision directly located next to or by that product image. So, for example, I, I, so I, I use electronics just because it's easy. Let's say it's a Sony 19-inch LCD monitor. You know, the headline says something very specific to, you know, Sony 19-inch LCD mo- monitor, uh, save up to X percent. Right, then you have, in the top left, you have a very good, high-quality image for retail, You must have high-quality images that will make a big impact on your sales and conversion. To the right of that image, depending on how big the image is, you want to have the price of it. You want to have the part number. You want to have if it's in stock or out of stock. If the product has a rating, you want the rating there. If you have a customer service or return policy, you want that there. If you have a money-back guarantee, you want that there. You try to organize it in a way that's very simple and easy for someone to get to the page, see the headline, connect visually with the product image, saying, okay, this is exactly what I was looking for, and, oh, my gosh, everything I needed to know is right here. I'm just going to click buy now or add to cart. Guys,
0: uh, I'm going to let us go here for a moment, but just can I tell you, if you need some help with your retail, Jimmy Ellis, one of our scientists, while he was in college, he and his buddies started a retail company, and they, they, uh, in college, uh, I think it started in the dormitory, and uh, and of course it graduated to a garage, and then before you know it, a bigger building, uh, that company grew to $12 million, and then... 30 million and then was on its way to do 70 million uh, in in retail. Jimmy's learned all of this not just from the laboratory but from hard experience, so uh, it's helpful to pay attention. These two guys, uh, Jimmy and Aaron, are really smart and have been very successful with what we're looking at here. So uh, we'll do our very best to help you. We know it's a tough economy, we're all feeling it, and we want to do all that we can. We're grateful for today. We hope we've got the balance right between the depth of the content and then the optimization work. We've, we've tried to make this new technology work. Thank you for your kind words. Let us know, again, uh, how you feel about this, if you haven't given us a response, and we will be back again. Uh, we typically do these research briefings about every 14 days and they're full of new research. Normally, we present actual new case studies with new research, if you have never attended one. Today was a special session to help our Christmas retailers. Thank you for your trust. Tell a friend about us. Good afternoon.